You welcome back to the Shaw's Law podcast. I'm your host, Rob Shaw, aka the Pod God. We are here with another preseason team preview. I got the homie Gabe with me. We're gonna talk about the Spurs. Gabe, say what up to the people. What's going on, everybody? Appreciate you having me on, Rob. I'm definitely uh, excited to uh, to get on. I know. I mean, you and I have been talking about. Drafting prospects for a, a while now, so I'm uh, definitely excited to, to to get on this. All right, so first, let, let's just where can they find your work? What do you do in basketball? What are you doing right now? Yeah, so um, I, I I do a lot of uh, online scouting, and currently I'm a assistant coach with a school here in North Carolina called the Burlington School. Um, we're a private school here in um, in, in North Carolina. Um, you can find me on Twitter at All Day Sport Talk, just one word spelled exactly how it sounds. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I usually, you know, follow back if I if I see it, um, and I'll be happy to interact with everybody. Um, are you still writing at Def Pen? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not writing at Def Pen anymore. But they're a great site, and I, I definitely will, would would like to plug them, you know, as much as I can because they do great work over there. Um, I just don't have the time anymore, unfortunately, to to write with them. Okay, just checking in. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, we're here to talk Spurs, and anytime I get a guest on, I like to know their history with the team. So first, who's your favorite all-time Spur? Uh, that's an easy one. It's going to be cliche, but it's Tim Duncan. Uh, he is he's my favorite player ever, uh, you know, of, of, of all time. And just growing up as a Spurs fan, um, you know, Tim Duncan is 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 our our god of, of sorts. So, all right, favorite current Spur. That's a little bit tougher. I think my favorite current Spur, and I, I bounce back on this one a lot because a lot of the guys are so young that it, we haven't had time to really, you know, stick to a guy. But I think my favorite current Spur right now is Lonnie Walker. I think he's uh, he's he's got some swagger. He's he's a pretty cool guy. It seems like off the court, um, <clears throat> and I think he's just also uh, one of the more high potential um, one of the more high potential guys that we have on the team. So I think I would go with Lonnie Walker. All right, and your favorite Spurs memory. Uh, well, wait, let's start with your favorite Spurs memory from the bubble. Oh, from the bubble. Um, I, there wasn't anything in particular, but I just really liked how Pop finally let, let the young guys off the leash a little bit. We saw a little bit uh, more of a, of a different style of playing with DeRozan and a little bit more of a of a, or of a lesser role, I should say, uh, you know, kind of making ways for the young guys. So that in general was, was really good to see. Um, yeah, there wasn't, I can't remember. I don't think there's anything specific that comes off the top of my head as far as San Antonio goes, but just seeing the young guys get their, uh, you know, get, get their run in that, that was probably the coolest thing. And hopefully it's a sign of things to come. All right. And some Spurs memories that just like will always stick out to you, things that, uh, ingratiated you to the team. Yeah, I mean, definitely the number one thing I always think of was um, being in San Antonio for the 2014 uh, NBA championship. Um, it was obviously, you know, everybody knows what happened in 2013. Um, and then uh, actually being able to be down there, not at any of the games, but just being in San Antonio and in that environment um, that summer in June when, when they won the championship in 2014. Uh, and just everybody going downtown, um, you know, downtown San Antonio, uh, with their Spurs flags, honking, yelling, like partying up, like the whole city. Uh, that was definitely, it's definitely the number one coolest thing Spurs related that, that has ever happened in my life. Um, it's always cool to see your cool, see your team win a championship, but when you can be down there in the city and celebrating with everybody there in the city, 
it's uh, it's a whole different environment and it makes it a lot more uh, memorable. Yeah, that sounds fly. Like being in the city when your team wins sounds super fun. Yeah, yeah, it was a blast. All right, you guys are. You guys were 32 and 39. Do you expect to be better or worse than that? Um, that's a good question. I feel like I feel like the Spurs will probably end up right around there given a game or two. Um, the, there are some teams that were below us that got better, uh, such as like Phoenix. I, you know, I think Phoenix was a team we were, probably would be better than them if they didn't you know, make the moves that they made. So, um, Sacramento's run, I, I think will probably be realistically slightly worse. I would say probably around 30 wins, but, uh, even 35, I, I don't think is out of the realm of possibility, but I would say probably right around 30. So I would say just slightly worse record wise, uh, than, than last year. Okay. Um, DeMar, is he a, at the, he picked up his option, which I'm not sure I thought was going to happen. Yeah, I, I think he was always going to pick up that option. I just felt like a lot of people expected or thought it was going to be he picks up that option in a sort of sign and trade. Like he picks it up so he could be traded and that cap can be moved. He can keep his money and get moved elsewhere. So uh, I, I think that the picking up the option, I don't think was really the surprising part. I think it was just that he picked it up and then nothing else happened. Yeah, he's still there. Yeah, which is somewhat of an issue. Uh, to to some to some <laughs> so myself. is yourself included good yeah. because my next question is is he a contender for, is he somebody that should be traded to a contender at the deadline or could be yeah yeah I, I think I think that's what we have I think that's the play at this point uh, because nothing happened in those 12 hours you know last week uh, a week and a half ago when, when you know, Frazier stayed open and everything was happening. Because nothing happened for the Spurs on, on the DeRozan front there. I think at this point, you start the season with them. And, uh, you know, I think DeRozan is a guy who can be a boost to a contender in the right role. Now, obviously, he's not going to be a number one, number two. Probably even, probably not even a number three in the traditional sense. But I think, personally, I think him coming off the bench as a six man for a contender that can just get those bench buckets when your star is sitting out. I think that would just be incredibly, incredibly important for a lot of teams like the Clippers, the, even the Lakers. You know, I don't think the Lakers can make it happen, but um, you know, I, I think there are a couple of teams that realistically could make it happen and could really use him and that he would improve their, improve their team. So we're on the same page with DeMar DeRozan. I was in my notes. My next question here is, is he a sixth man at this point on a contender? Yeah, for for me, that that that's what I would say. He he's not a guy you can you can build around. He's not a guy you run an offense through these days. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe a second unit offense, sure. Um, but yeah, I just think with his, he, you know, he we know he can still get buckets, and that, that's what he does. He's not going to shoot from deep. He's not going to spot up shoot. He's not going to defend. Um, but he can you can give him the ball and he can go get you some buckets. Um, a, he could be a bigger Lou Williams. Yeah, ex- exactly. A bigger and probably. Not prolific with the three ball like Lou, yep. but you can put the ball in his hands and expect elite production if he's yep. your sixth man. And and even in DeRozan's case, I think he's somebody who can he, he can run an offense. Uh, unlike Lou, Will. he he can play some point guard. You know, we we saw him play point guard and initiate offense in San Antonio a little bit. Um, so he's someone who can who can play point guard and you know lead a second unit or 
you know, if, if maybe if it's crunch time and, and they, you know, let's say he's in the Clippers and they want to run a unit where DeRozan is running point instead of a Reggie Jackson, instead of a um, um, Patrick Beverly, you know, if, if they want to run DeRozan, you know, running the point, initiating the offense with Kawhi and Paul George out there, you know, um, he's someone who, who I think can run an offense as well. So he's a little bit more versatile on offense in that way, because I think at this point he's moved from being really only a, a, a off guard or a wing to being a little bit of what, you know, what's known as a combo guard. Uh, does Rudy Gay have anything left in the tank? Oof, man. Um, nah, nah, just short answer. No, I don't, don't, even, so. don't put feelers out. Don't take a flyer on them. If you're another team. Um, if, if I were an, another team, just because, I mean, his salary is tough. So uh, unless, unless you have someone who's even worse, that the salaries could match, it's probably not worth it from, from an opposing team perspective, even though he is on an expiring contract. So, you know, sure. Maybe take a flyer. If he, if he shows something, you know, in the first month of the season, why not? Right. Um, but I, I think it's a case where the Spurs will probably have to attach a pick if they wanted to dump him. Um, and I don't, you know, he's, a, he's an expiring contract. So there's no reason to dump him and attach a pick to that. You might as well just, you know, let him let him see his contract out through the year and 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 get on with it there. You know, to take your L and go uh, in, in the case of Rudy Gay, I think. Yeah, he. I mean, uh, unless he shows something really surprising here in the first month or two, I, I just don't see. Um, yeah, I, I don't see how he helps any team really in, in any way. He doesn't defend at a high level, doesn't shoot at a terribly high level. I don't I don't know what he does at this point. Signed a deal. Sorry, can you repeat that? Um, Jakob Hurdle's new deal. Yeah, I thought it was a great deal. Um, I, I think that's a, a, a really big steal, actually. I think it ends up being... Roughly nine, nine and a half million a year uh, on, on the average annual salary. So I think that ends up being a really, 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 you know, uh, good deal. And obviously the pandemic played a little bit of part in it because under, under normal circumstances, maybe he would have got 11 million, you know, but the pandemic money, everybody's got a little bit less money. So they scale it back a little bit. But nine million for Perto for the next three years, I think is going to be really hard to beat in terms of value. Um, it's great because one, you don't really want to pay centers that much anyways. And when you can have a legitimately good center who anchors, who can anchor your defense, um, and I, I think he can be one of the better defensive um, rim protecting centers in the league. Uh, and you know he provides a little bit on offense as as a rim runner. He's a smart player, can pass it a little bit. So um, yeah, I think at nine million, that's that's a hell of a steal for the next three years. You're gonna miss any of the people that are gone. Uh, the big ones I have that's gone are uh, Brent Forbes and. Uh, Marco Bellinelli. Do you miss either of them? Um, Marco definitely will, will not be missed. Um, and I, 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 think, uh, I think most Spurs fans will agree with me in this case. Um, but Marco definitely will, will, will not be missed. Um, Bryn, I think, could be missed. I think the issue with Bryn was that Bryn is a fine player in, in his role. But the, the rest of the team in San Antonio just wasn't built to to have a guy like Bryn be effective because, you know, when, when you're playing, when you, if you're playing Bryn, you have to have defenders around him to mitigate his, his defensive deficiencies. He's not a good defender at all. And he's really not going to provide much apart from shooting. Obviously we, we all know he can shoot the hell out of the ball, um, but he's not going to pass much. He's not going to create for others. He's not really going to create for himself and he's not really going to defend. But 
in the role like we're going to see with him in Milwaukee, he's going to be surrounded by defenders. He's going to be able to shoot his 40, 45% from three on good volume. And uh, he's going to be really impactful. So I won't say that Spurs will necessarily miss him, but I just think that in a year or two, once, you know, we have DeJounte hitting his, you know, hitting his peak, Derek White in his peak, Lonnie Walker coming along, Keldon Johnson coming along, a lot of the, Vassell coming along, a lot of these guys who can play really good defense, a guy like Bryn would be perfect once those guys are, are, are a couple, you know, year or two uh, down the road. A guy like Bryn who you can just stick in there and he's going to he's gonna drain threes uh, would be perfect because he'll have defenders around him. So I don't think right now we'll miss him, but um, I, I think I, I don't want to say that in the way I said it with Marco, where Marco has no NBA value at this point. Bryn, I just think he won't be missed because it wasn't the right fit at the right time. Two things. Uh, you nailed Marco having no NBA value. That's why yeah. he's back overseas. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and you brought up the young guys, and I was just uh, one or two that who pops this year for you guys? Like one of the younger guys that you think makes big strides. Who pops this year? For me, and, and this might be, you know, going back to saying he's my favorite player right now, but I think Lonnie Walker's in for a really big year. I think this is the year where he finally gets unleashed. Uh, and, and I think, like I said earlier, he is out of that young group, those young five guards and wings of DeJounte, Derek, Lonnie, Keldon, and Vassell. I think he's got the highest ceiling. Um, and and I've, I've been really high on Lonnie since he came into the draft. Even when we drafted him, I thought there was no way he was going to fall to 18. Um, and, and he fell to us. And, you know, I thought it was a blessing. But um, I, I think he's going to be a really good two-way, two-way punch. You know, he, um, he can defend. He can defend a couple positions, probably one through three right now. Um, and I think his shot is going to come along. His mechanics are good. Uh, you know, an, another year under Chip England, you know, the shooting specialist, uh, the shot doctor, I think is what we call him, um, you know, will, will only help. And just as he's understanding the game, we can see early in his career, the game seemed just way too fast for him. And as he's kind of grown, we've seen it slow down for him. We've seen him be able to, to control the game and dictate, uh, to take tempo, you know, just a little bit more. And hopefully in DeRozan's uh, smaller role, that'll open up a role for Lonnie. I think Keldon Johnson is another guy who uh, is really, really, really going to pop. Talk to me nice. You know I'm a Kentucky homer. Yeah, yeah, you know. Exactly. And so, and so, bullshit. Yep, yep. So you know what to expect from Keldon here. He's, he, I think, is going to be a great 3 and D guy, but I think he's going to provide so much more than that as well. Like, I've always thought his passing ability is really, really, really underrated. And, um, you know, I think he's going to get in a lot of situations where he's hitting a couple threes. Teams are closing out on him. He attacks those closeout, creates for other people. Um, I don't expect him to have a major role to be able to fully show out in the way I think Lonnie will have his role. But I think Kelvin's a guy who's really going to really going to start um, being on people's, you know, being on uh, a name on people's list, so to speak. And then I think DeJounte Murray, I think he's very good. And he's obviously been hampered by some injuries. He's never really been able to get into a rhythm. So I think this year, finally going into a year, you know, knock on wood, fully healthy. This is going to be his team. Um, and I, I think he's someone who can, you know, show why he was the youngest player to ever make an all-defensive team um, and, and kind of channel that back and be a majorly uh, impactful player. Uh, I'm a little excited to see your Spurs after listening to you talk about them. I'm excited as, as long as the young guys get their run, which it seems like they will. Uh, it seems like, seems like they're – primed to, to to give the young guys some burn and i'm really excited to see what happens even if it doesn't result in a lot of winning this year who are your projected starters 
my projected starters, I would just thinking not what I would do, but what I think Pop. Well, right, well, I want both. I want what you think okay. will actually happen and what you would like to see. Okay, gotcha. So I, I think Pop will run out probably DeJounte, Derek, Derek White, um, DeMar DeRozan at the three. And then LaMarcus at the four and Pirtle at the five. And the reason I think Pirtle starts at the five uh, and they don't go full small ball and the spacing is going to be messed up. But I mean, if they trust LaMarcus to shoot, I, I could see that happening. But um, is because, uh, you know, I think a big reason why Pirtle resigned was because they be, they came to an agreement on his role. You know, that, that's according to him as well. And I know that the, the word was that he wanted a bigger role. So the fact that he's staying and it's that he's staying for that for that term and that money it seems like they probably came to an agreement on his role, and he's something that he wants. So my guess is he's probably going to have a bigger role, maybe a starting role. Um, yeah, if, if it's not that five, I would think maybe maybe Lonnie gets to start. Um, or perhaps instead of Pirtle, you know, you have Aldridge at the five, uh, and maybe Lyles, or hopefully not, but maybe Gay, but probably Lyles there at the four. Um, Lyles kind of came along pretty well, another Kentucky guy. Um Trey Lyles came came on pretty well, uh, you know, last year, but better than I expected. I will say I was a doubter. Uh, what I would do personally, uh, and I, I guess you have to make it with the DeRozan and Aldridge work because they're there. So I, I would probably go. I would. Oh, that's actually tough. Um, How about this? Is there a world where your boy Lonnie can uh, supplant? Uh, Derek White in the starting lineup. Well, and and he may start because I think we've kind of seen a little bit where maybe White, you know, fills this Manu Ginobili role where we know he's one of the five best players on the court, but he's the sixth man and they, they keep him in that role just for the sake of the lineup's balance. So I, I think that there is a chance that Lonnie may start at the two with White running that sort of Manu type role where he's the closer, um, but Lonnie's the starter. So I think that's a possibility. Um, I would probably just run with whoever looks like they're shooting the ball better in preseason. Okay. Um, my guess is that I'll probably end up being Derek. Um, so I, I would go with DeJounte, Derek, probably go DeRozan at the three. And honestly, I would just say screw it and probably start Keldon at the four and just run some small ball with DeRozan and Keldon um, interchanging you know, at, at the forward spot. Um you know, I, I think like I said I think Kelton's in, in for a bigger year. And then I would have Aldrich five, by the way. Um, I think Kelton's in for a bigger year. And they're just going to need spacing. You know, DeRozan isn't going to be shooting it. Um, DeJounte, I, I, I do see him improving his three-point shot. But I don't know if it's going to be the point where, you know, he's considered a spacer, quote-unquote. Um, his mid-range game is great. And in order for that to be fully effective, you know, we're going to need spacers like White. Kelton can knock down some threes. Aldridge has shown to be able to knock, knock down some threes. Um and then, you know, bringing on guys from the bench like Lonnie, Vassell, um, you know, even even seeing if Lucas Samanich, you know, can can get some run in. He's a guy who should be able to shoot it. And if he looks good, you know, maybe down the road, you start a lineup with Samanich starting at the four and Aldridge at the five. Uh, if, if, if Luca, you know, wows us like that. Um, have any special thoughts on Aldridge? Do you want to keep him the remainder of the contract? Would you like to move him for young pieces or like just what has he become in San Antonio? Because when he went there, the idea was he was the next Tim Duncan, not, yeah, not the whole package, but just 
hey, he's our next franchise level big. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. He he's someone he's he's good and he can contribute still, I, I think, for the Spurs. Um I, I definitely wouldn't mind trading him away. I, I would have no issues with that. Um if they can get, you know, a good a good haul with young players or, you know, picks, especially if it's in the twenty twenty one draft, you know, twenty twenty one first for Aldridge, I think would be a great value. Um the thing is, I just from the opposing team's perspective, the rest of the league, I don't see what and I was actually just tweeting about this the other day. I don't see what other teams can would, would get better by adding Aldridge in in a reasonable trade that that could be you know done. So you know that would have to make the cap match, and you would have to be giving up players that aren't you know better than Aldridge, obviously. So I I just don't see how a trade works in that way, barring you know an injury or something like that to a team. Um, and so I, I, from the rest of the league's perspective, I don't see where that value lies for Aldridge, but I think he can be helpful for the Spurs and he's a guy he's, he's been to, you know, he's been pretty deep in the playoffs before in Portland and San Antonio. Um, he's kind of seen it all too, in, in a way. And, uh, I definitely wouldn't mind him as somebody who, you know, just sees out this year of his contract and, um, you know, supports and, and mentors the young guys a lot. You know, we have a really, really, really young team and having a veteran like Aldridge isn't going to be a bad thing, especially when he's someone who, you know, he's a smart player. He's a pretty outgoing, welcoming type of teammate by all reports. So having someone like him around the the young guys wouldn't be bad at all. And, um, you know, he's he's not you know, he hasn't been the the franchise cornerstone big in San Antonio like a lot of us expected. Uh, But he's been good. And a lot of people in San Antonio like him. He's he's definitely a fan favorite. a fan favorite, probably not the fan favorite. Um, I know a lot of fans get tired of him at times, but he is, um, you know, he's a guy that just generally has support. He does a lot in the community. He's from Texas as well, so it's a little bit of hometown thing, uh, home state thing at least. But um, uh, he's he's shown the, the willingness to to want to work with Pop and and give his commitment to the team, to the city. So I think that um, you know there there wouldn't be anything wrong with him seeing out his contract and just kind of getting a, getting a little bit of a, I don't say a farewell tour, but you know, those last couple of games in San Antonio, you know, giving him a little bit of a farewell. I, I could see something like that happening uh, because he's liked by the fans. And I just think his time in San Antonio is probably coming to an end, but this year he can, he can be a mentor. But like I said, if we can get, you know, a 2021 first uh, and, and, you know, possibly a good young player, then, you know, I'm definitely all for trading him. I'm not, I'm not against it. I just think, uh, DeRozan's probably the more likely one to get traded as he'll probably one fetch more value and two he you know getting him out frees up a lot of the young guys in their position we don't have many young players as power forward or center spot so you know uh, there's nobody who's like dying to get minutes behind Aldridge and uh, like it is with DeRozan so what I really like that you said about Aldridge is comparing him and DeRozan DeRozan has a very distinct role yep. that's easy to envision on contenders. Yep. Aldridge, you almost need to fit him in somewhere. Like DeRozan's almost plug and play while DeRo- uh, yep. where uh, Aldridge is, we need to find a place where this cog fits. Definitely. And I, I don't know a team in the NBA that wouldn't benefit by having 10 to 15 points off the bench in a fairly efficient manner like you would get from DeRozan. Um, while Aldridge, he is not that type of come-off-the-bench type of guy. And if he starts, he really has to be in the right system that's going to be able to get him his touches. He's not, you know, he, he he's going to dribble the ball out a little bit. He's not someone who's always going to keep the ball moving. Um, you know, he's he's going to take his little isolation, mid-post, low-post opportunities. 
uh, do his fadeaways and such. And, um, you know, that's that's not always conducive to um, or helpful in, in many offenses these days. All right. So what are what's a successful season for the San Antonio Spurs to you? That's a very good question. Um, I think ultimately, if we look back, you know, in, in June uh, or even in, in our Spurs season, will probably will probably be over early May, April, whenever the end of the regular season is. But if, if we look back at that point and say, OK, well, we traded DeRozan for, you know, a, a, a decent young haul, you know, young, you know, whether it be a, a pick or a good young player, you know, hey, we, we offloaded DeRozan, you know, midway through the season, which allowed, you know, our young guys to get all of the last half of the season to themselves, you know, in the backcourt and on the wings. That is a huge, that is probably the biggest, the biggest box to check is that. Um, along with that is just also, in general, just getting the young guys their minutes is not, you know, not forcing Patty Mills 20 minutes a game when we have, you know, Trey Jones, who could possibly contribute a little bit year one. We've got Derek White, who needs to, you know, um, take the next step. DeJounte Murray, who can take the next step. Lonnie Walker, who can take the next step. You know, just allowing those young guards to flourish. Uh, I would love to see Vassell, you know, get get some good minutes throughout the course of the season. Obviously, I'm not expecting anything from the rookies early, given the short turnaround. But um, just seeing the, seeing the young players given their chances more than anything. Luka Samanich as well. Um that that would be the the real mark of a of a successful season, and then of course there are you know individual marks that you know you we want to see each player hit. You know we we want to see, and you know it's not enough if they're you know it's not enough to just give them their 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 playing time, but we want to make sure that they're actually developing and that they're that they're getting better, uh, and that you know we, that's something we can see from watching is is just seeing those young guys getting better from the minutes that they're playing. So I think those are the two main things. You know if if they can somehow sneak into the eighth seed, you know, while while giving the young guys their burn, that would be an absolute grand slam of a season. But uh, I, th- I think to be a success, it's trade to Rosen, get the young guys their minutes. Um, don't finish last in the West, uh, ideally not even bottom two. But if they finish 13th, you know, bottom three in the West, with as, as competitive as the West is going to be, I don't think that's a failure of a season. And, uh, you know, I think as long as they check those other boxes, that's okay as well. So uh, anything 13th or higher, while giving their young guys the burn and, and really l- letting them flourish, I think would be uh, considered a good season as long as they progress. Tell Spurs fans about the two players they drafted in uh, Devin Vassell and Trey Jones. Yeah, so I've, I'm glad they picked those two guys. I mean, you you know me, like when it comes to ACC basketball, like that's I, – I watch more ACC than anything. Like that's – I live, breathe, uh, you know, it's ACC. Fan. Yeah. Um, fan and alumni, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, Let me give you your credit. Like you're I, a real wolf pack. That yes, is- sir. Yes, sir. I, I, I am definitely part of the wolf pack. Um, you know, Trey Jones at Duke. Uh, he's someone I, I've I've probably seen ninety percent of his games at, at Duke, um, just in general. So um, he's someone I'm very very familiar with, and I think he's someone I had in my top twenty five uh, coming into the draft here. And so to get him at forty one, I think is a hell of a steal. He is somebody who. Um, He's probably, you know, he's, he's never going to be a prolific starter in the NBA, I, I don't think. But he's someone that uh, clearly puts in the work. And you can tell that just by looking at the difference in his shot uh, from his freshman year to his sophomore year. Uh, just in that year, he put in a lot of work uh, off the dribble, off the catch, uh, and shooting. And, um, and he's, become a, he's became a serviceable shooter his sophomore year. And with the shot Dr. Chip England in San Antonio, I think it's only going only gonna to get better. 
but his his calling card, as you know, is, is his defense. Uh, Trey Jones, he won ACC Defensive Player of the Year. He uh, is an elite point of attack defender, uh, especially at the college ranks. Um, he's a little bit shorter. He's like 6'2", 6'3", so he's not, you know, he's not the 6'5 guards that we're seeing these days, but uh, he's, he's really smart. He has really high IQ on both ends of the floor. He processes the game well. Um, he plays good team defense, good on-ball defense. Um, he's, some guy, he's, he's somebody that you really want, um, you know, thwarting the point of attack uh, on, on defense. And then offensively, he knows how to run an offense. You know, he's not going to create a ton of points for himself. You know, he, he may, you know, he's not going to average double digits very often in his career, if, if at all. But he's going to be a very steady hand for a long time in the league where he's going to have a good assist to turnover ratio. Um, he's going to make good decisions. He's going to help, you know, run an offense. I think he's going to be one of the best backup point guards in the league for as long as his career is. You know, you see someone, and I, I don't mean this as the same, like, player comparison type of thing, but you see someone like Sean Livingston, who was such a valuable backup point guard and gave you such valuable things off the bench. You see guys like that. I think Trey Jones is going to be uh, kind of like that. Like I said, he's not going to give you the same things as Sean Livingston. They're different players, but he's going to be uh, just a really good backup. What was that? That type of career. Yeah, exactly. Like just a solid backup that's reliable and serviceable for years. Exactly. Yeah, and he's going to be somebody that, you know, if DeJounte gets hurt, he can still win the Spurs ballgames. Um, and then, you know, like I said, offensively, his shot is coming along. He's a, he's a good passer. Um, he can get to his spots, uh, you know, a, a little bit. His pull-up game is is definitely progressing. And, uh, you know, in the NBA, if, if you're a point guard, you have to have a pull-up game, particularly off pick and rolls. So that's something that's really valuable, and that's something that he's been, you know, showing improvement on uh, as, as his college career has gone along. So he's someone who I'm really excited about. Like I said, I had him top 25 in my board. So um, he's a hard worker. And then Vassell, Vassell is a great, great, great pick at 11 there. Um, his NBA role will probably be a very high-level 3 and D guy. Uh, he's shown some flashes of being able to put it on the floor. That's not something that personally I foresee him doing in the NBA at a high level is putting it on the floor and creating, those, creating his own offense. He showed it a little bit there his sophomore year um, at Florida State. But um, ultimately, I think he's going to be a very high-level 3 and D guy. Once he adds weight, I, I can see him guarding positions 1 through 4. Right now, he's probably just one through three. Um, he's going to have to add some weight to be able to guard NBA fours, but um, that's that's no problem. This is the NBA. You know, the, adding weight is is nothing. So um, he'll 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 be guarding one through fours here here fairly soon, probably year two, year three. And um, you know, he's quick. He can shuffle his feet. He's got really long wingspan. Um, he he's a very smart defender. I mean, just if you watch Florida State, you're always like, you're always like, how the hell is he like? How the hell is he always in the right position? The ball just always falls to him. He always manages to be where the rebound is falling to. He always manages to be where the loose ball is at. He just always finds himself in the right position. And that sort of IQ, that sort of game processing, particularly on defense, we know the Spurs really, really, really value, and the Spurs can take that to another level. So um, I, I think he's a tremendous – I think both guys are just tremendous fits overall, even even just apart from their individual talents. I think both guys are just tremendous fits for the culture and how the Spurs like to run things. Um, but, yeah, Vassell is going to be a high-level shooter. Um, he's, he's going to be able to put it, you know, one, two dribble pull-ups into in mid-range shots. Um, I can see him doing a lot of that. Not, not too much creation, not too much shake, but, um, not too much finishing at the rim, but three, three point shots, you know, attacking closeouts for a couple of dribble pull-ups, things like that. Um, I, I think it's where his offensive value will come in and I think he'll be very good at that. And then, like I said, defensively, he's going to be very versatile, switchable defender, um, who can guard one through four at a, at a very high level. Ultimately, uh, his, his ability to just make the right plays on both ends is going to um, really be helpful for, for San Antonio. I think we see it in, in the playoffs. Every team needs three and D guys. 
Um, and when you have a cell who's as smart as he is, and in this class that wasn't very inspiring, if you can get a guy who's going to be a high level three and D guy for 10 years, like that's pretty damn valuable. And it's a good get at 11 in this class. All right. That ends just about all my Spurs stuff, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you just a couple 2021 draft questions. Let's just do it, man. Like that, that's your wheelhouse. Like this is like your real bag. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Um, my podcast, so I'm asking what the fuck I want. Yeah, do uh, it, dude. <laughs> BJ Boston, Terrence Clark, go. Who BJ is Boston. Boston for you? Yeah, and it's only slightly, and this is probably recent. I was, I was actually a little bit slow to the BJ Boston train. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm still chasing behind it. I think I'm still Terrence Clark. Yeah, and I, I didn't get to see any, any today. Um, yet I'm. It's a game I'm definitely gonna have to go rewatch, especially after they lost. Um, oh. gotta see what, what went wrong there, but um. Yeah, I think Boston, he's just so shifty. Um, his his creation at all three levels, I think, is going to be really, really, really valuable. And I think he's just a slightly better decision maker than Clark. So both guys are definitely lotto picks for me. They might even both be top 10 off the top of my head. Um, but I, I think Boston is a guy who we'll talk about in, in, that, in that discussion for the number two pick. Um, while Clark probably won't ever be in that discussion, but I really like Clark. Clark was a guy I was really high on very, very, very early, and I was fortunate enough to see him play a couple times um, here at the John Wall Invitational in Raleigh. Um, and he's he's good. I mean, he's got a mature, um, a, a mature, controlled game, and I really like Clark. I think he's been getting a lot of um, un, unwarranted flack from from a lot of people online. Uh, I, I think he's very good. Like I said, I think. Uh, Decision-making is probably going to be the weakest point for him, and the position he plays is such important. But even that, I think, is, is going to be at a good high level. Um, I, I think Boston will probably just provide you a little bit more impact on both ends uh, because he processes the game probably a little bit quicker, a little bit better. But like I said, I mean, it's it's uh, right now, especially this early, it's, it's splitting hairs. But I'd probably lean Boston as of right now. Um, BJ Boston's jump shot worries me. Not structurally, not mechanically. It worries me that it just – it only feels like it goes in when you're up 15 points. That's and that's why I was slow to get on the bandwagon. That is exactly what kept me from from being um, from jumping on him the first couple of times I saw him. I think two years ago in UIBL um, or yeah, was it UIBL? I think it was. Um, but that is exactly what it was. I was. I don't know if I love the shot, but I think the fact that it is mostly mechanically sound that once he gets the reps in and once he gets to the NBA development program, that the, the, since the mechanics are already good, that gives him a pretty good floor. We'll see what his free throw percentage looks like. That's usually a pretty good indication of projection and, and a usually good indication of if your mechanics are going to be viable. So we'll see what that looks like as it goes on. Um, I, I'm higher on it than I was. Obviously, that's why I'm, I'm a little bit higher on him now in general. I, I think he's going to be fine, but that is that's a, a very real concern and something that, I, like I said, I was. That's the main reason why I was slow to to get on that bandwagon. I I do want you to wax poetic about Cade Cunningham. Could you just? Oh, never mind. Go go right. He's to good. Him. He's good. He's. I mean, he is just something else. He's he's a generational talent, and I think um, I think come come June. We're going to be talking about him in the same ranks as the Luka Doncic's, the Zion's. Um, I, I don't want to say LeBron seriously, but, you know, they people were talking about Luka and Zion with LeBron, so it's only fair to put Cade in that uh, as well. Um, the, the ADs, you know, Cade is that kind of prospect. He's – there's 
there's not there, there's no discussion for the number one pick. There, there's not going to be a discussion. There's not going to be a mix for the number one pick. There's not going to be whatever you want to call it. There's there, there's no debate. It's Cade Cunningham, unless something absolutely crazy happens over these next three or four months. But Cade Cunningham, uh, it's what's his weakness? He's not super bursty, but it's not like he has bad burst. Yeah, like, you're right. He's he's not super bursty. He's not super he's explosive. A, oh, he's a good athlete. He's a yeah. good athlete. He's just not like a world breaking athlete. That, and, yeah, and and for for that to be somebody's weakness kind of shows you how how great he is. Because even despite that, he can he can get up. You know, he can dunk on seven footers. Uh, he can you know I think what helps him what helps him cope with that burst is a lot of times. Um, and he hasn't done it a lot actually at OK State, but you can see him get low on those drives and it helps him, you know, produce some burst on those. But yeah, that, I mean, that's probably it. The shot was a little bit of a concern, you know, um, you know, maybe his junior coming in his senior year. But I feel like he's quelled most of those concerns. He can shoot off the dribble, off the catch at all levels. Um, to me, there's really nothing that he can't and won't do at a really high level. Um, but you're right that the burst and, and, and if you're a six, eight point guard, it's it's kind of similar to Ben Simmons. You know, he doesn't have insane burst like LeBron, but he's very effective. And he's obviously a little bit taller, so it kind of makes up for it. But, um, you know, he's someone who's still been effective as a driver uh, with, without that elite burst. Um, and, I, you know, I think Cade is uh, somebody who will have that threat of a three-point shot. Guys are going to have to play up on Cade. And, I mean, if you're 6'4", if you're a 6'4 point guard playing up on Cade, 20, 20, 25 feet out the basket um, – you know, that's a tough task because he can overpower you. He can get down to the basket. Uh, he can pull up on the mid-range. He can really hurt you in any way. And then offensively, I mean, defensively, he's going to be able, he's going to be guarding one through four at the next level. And um, it's, it's a very, it's a scary prospect because his, just his process. And he's, I mean, he's three steps ahead at all times on both ends of the floor. It's, it's remarkable to see somebody who can just read the game that way. Um, and, and it, I know when I was watching him a lot in high school, I would always have to when I was watching film. I'd always have to rewind after he made a play because I was like, "How did he see that happen? You know, like where where, where was that even coming from? Like, where was that buildup coming from that he was able to see that happen, snuff it out, and make a play on on either end?" So watching him was a lot of rewinding and me trying to catch up and seeing, okay, what's going on here that he's already seen in real time and reacting to. So it's just a special level of processing that that you really only see, you know, in in these generational type of prospects. So the last time. I put too much stock into somebody not having enough burst. Um, that dude turned around and led the best offense in NBA history. <laughs> so so I, I'm it, careful on where, where I put stock into burst. Yeah. I will say that Ben Simmons seems quicker, faster, like overpoweringly fast. <clears throat> when, I look, when I look at Cade, I see point guard Brandon Roy kind of. Yeah, and Brandon right. Roy's a comp that's been tossed around a lot. Um, I think Brandon Roy was probably a little bit more shifty and and um, and just a little bit more dynamic and getting to his spots. Um, but I, I think that's you know I, I'm not a comp guy, but I think that's probably a pretty fair comp. Just the point guard version of that, and and being able to um, to really have an entire offensive package that we don't see very often. Uh, and and obviously at this stage, Cade's a much better facilitator and processor than Brandon was. Um, so just that, having the facilitation to be able to leverage your scoring threat is—I mean, it's it's gonna it's gonna be um, it's gonna be a 
really good sight to see. I mean, I would have easily taken him one in this draft. So, um, you know, he's, he's ready for the NBA as it is. And I think this year at OK State will only help him. All right. Give me just two or three names that maybe the casual's not ready for, but they're going to pop. Um, dang, th- this feels weird saying his name. Um, I think DJ Stewart is a guy who's been under, under, underrated a little bit. Um, he's a Duke guy. Shit out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Night. Yep. Yep. And th- th- that's what he's going to do. He's going to shoot the hell out of it. And it's weird to say a Duke guy's a little bit underrated uh, from a draft sense, but DJ Stewart's the guy who I think is going to, he's in my lottery right now, just barely. And I think he's going to be in everybody's lottery come, come the end of the year. Um, he, you know, probably is going to be a really high level um, scoring guard at, at the next level because he can shoot off the catch. He can, you know, run off ball, shoot off movement. He can shoot in basically any way you can think of. He can um, create a little bit of space for himself to do these mid-range pull-ups, mid-range shots. Um, that that offensive package is what thrives in the NBA at this point for a guard. Um, and defensively, you know, he's no slouch. You know, he's not going to be a lockdown guy, but he should be able to hold his own, you know, at the very least in the NBA and switch on a couple of positions if needed. Um, Stewart is up there. Um, and let me, let me go ahead and just look at my boards. There's a couple of guys who I know that I've hired than, than, you know, a lot of others do. Um, yeah, one guy. Stuff you want. So, so, and so one guy I think, and, and I think you'll, you'll like this as well that I think may pop and maybe not to a really high degree. Like he may not touch the lottery, but I think uh, Devin Askew is a guy there at Kentucky is a guy who, um, has really been underrated in, in draft conversations. Um, I think he, he can definitely be a first round pick uh, come you know come draft time. And he's somebody when when you his foundation is going to be three and D. You know he's going to be able to knock down threes off the catch, and he's going to be able to to defend the point of attack. Um, and when you have that foundation, that's always going to be a good start in the NBA. Even if you are a point guard and your main your main you know role is to is to facilitate and put pressure on the defense, which he may not be great at at the NBA level, he's going to have a 3 and D um, foundation to some extent. And I think that um, that's going to end up proving pretty damn valuable. Now, in this class, it might, you know, in this class, it's not going to be quite as valuable or, you know, you're not going to see his name as high as you would in some classes because this class is just so loaded. But um, having that sort of foundation, as long as he builds on that, as long as he shows that that's a very strong foundation and he can come out every night and kind of give you that 3 and D um, that three and D material, you know, everything else will, will, will come on top of that. And I, I think it'll be bonus. So, you know, he's a guy I could see as a first round pick, um, you know, come June. And then another oh, wait, guy, real quick, wait, real quick. Yeah. Um, I haven't looked it up. Is definitely eligible for this draft. I know he was a junior and skipped his senior year by draft rules. Will he be eligible or yeah, because I'm pretty sure he, he graduated technically. Okay. So so I'm pretty sure because he graduated that he should be clear to go. And he'll be one year removed from that, so I think that should be fine. But I know that there was some weird stuff going along with, with his draft stuff. Um, but I want to say he's going to be fine. And um, I think with this year, with the pandemic, when that was actually probably easier to get that cleared than it would have been. Um, but another guy who I like a lot, and um, this is a guy who's way out there. I, I don't even – know if he's on any draft boards right now, um, but Marjan Beauchamp. So he's a guy who is taking the uh, Mitchell Robinson route, the, the the no college, no no overseas pro route, just training for the year. Um, so um, Marjan Beauchamp is a guy to keep in mind. He, he is a 6'6", um, 6'7", six, 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 
kind of wing, small ball four projection type of guy. Um, he's real, he's real wiry and skinny, but, um, you know, he's somebody who I think, um, you know, may have some three, three level potential, uh, three level scoring potential on offense. Um, he's a guy who can shoot the ball. He's usually a pretty sound decision maker, uh, from the wing. Um, but he's, he's somebody who I think is definitely a name to keep an eye on. Um, now obviously in his case, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to be playing college basketball. So he's not going to be, you know, having these big performances and, and, and making names, you know, making waves and headlines. He's going to be somebody who probably won't come up in, in most people's minds until April, until after the college basketball season's over. The pre-draft process comes along, and and we're looking at, you know, we're re- revisiting these guys who weren't in college basketball um, this year. And so I think Bar- Marjan Beauchamp is a guy who could possibly, um, is, is a guy who could possibly, you know, rise up boards and, and be a flyer, uh, you know, probably in the early second round and and make a name for himself there um, and, and end up having pretty good NBA value on a, on a two-way basis as a wing. Freshman in college this year? He, he would be a freshman, yes. Um, where was he um, just where was he ranked uh, amongst his senior class? Um, I believe it was a five star. I, I think it was towards the towards the end of the, of the like top twenty five ish. I think in late teens, early twenties, uh, or maybe early to mid twenties is where he was ranked. Uh, he played for Sunrise Christian, um, so he he played at a high level a high school program against high level competition. Uh, so he's he's definitely been been through the ringer at least in the high school level. So uh, he was just somebody who was opting to to train with Chameleon BX, and. Um, you know, it's the same it's the same program, I believe, that Mitchell Robinson trained in. Worked out pretty well for him, uh, at least in, from a development standpoint. He's very good now. So, um, you know, I think Marjan is a guy who could could um, be a, a late riser even after the college basketball season on people's All boards. Right. Last thing, are there um, on the high school team, you're in the Burlington school, that are that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, they might be mid-major players, high-major uh yeah, yeah. So we um, we have a guy six ten, six ten forward named Kuel Mading. Um, he's ranked. He's a four star currently ranked right now, uh, class of twenty twenty one. He's a senior. Um, he just committed to play uh, for Howard. He's their second highest rated recruit ever after, of course, you know Maker. Um, but he's he's ranked I think just outside the top one hundred by by most services right now. Six uh, ten guy. Sort of the, uh, the the typical unicorn we see these days in a way where he can handle the ball at 6'10", he can shoot the ball at 6'10", he's got a pretty smooth stroke. Um, personally, just from an evaluation perspective, you know, I think he's, you know, he's, he's going to improve his, his decision-making process a little bit on both ends. Um, he has to add weight. He's definitely very wiry, but, you know, adding weight is something that the college staff can do, you know, uh, pretty decently from high school to college. That shouldn't be an issue. Um, but uh, he's a guy to bet on because he, I mean – uh, he's a very hard worker. He's a, he's a great, great leader, great teammate, but he's a hard worker. I mean, when, when we have our, um, you know, when, when the guys are in trouble, when the guys are messing up and they're doing their, their, um, their suicides or their, you know, their, their back and forth, their up and downs, um, he's always the first one done. I mean, by far, he laps guys sometimes or he's close to lapping guys. He is a hard worker and he brings it every single day. Um, whether it's practice, whether it's walkthrough, shoot around, he brings it, and he's uh, he's locked in. And um, I think with his current skill set and his work ethic, it's uh, it's something that definitely want to watch out for in a couple of years, where he's a guy who can develop into a legit, um, very 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 legit player and prospect. Um, we have another guy, our point guard, Jamari Thomas. He um, 
he's finally sort of getting the the recognition that he's he's deserved. Um, unfortunately, you know, due to the pandemic, this summer a lot of you know a lot of high school guys in the AU in the limited AU circuits that they had weren't able to get you know the the looks that they would have usually gotten in a normal summer. So he wasn't able to rack up as many offers as he would have in, in a normal summer. Uh, but just you know. The two weeks that the season's been started, he's already um, added offers from NCA and T, offers from Eastern Kentucky. So he's getting these um, these low major offers. I think, to be honest, though, at worst, he's a mid major player. Um, he, he, I think, the size is probably what scares some teams. He's right about six foot, um, he, but he is. I mean, when when you think of of the of the the point guard of that dog player in high school that guy who's just going to be scrappy and he's going to get into you on both ends of the floor, that's Jamari Thomas. And so that's a name you, you really, 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 really want to want to remember because he's going to be very good. And defensively, he's got no problem, you know, guarding your best player. I mean, just a week ago, he was going tick for tack with Mikey Williams. So um, if, if, if that doesn't show you the caliber of player he is and he can be, um, yeah, he was going, I mean, he was going tick for tack with Mikey Williams, shot for shot. And, um, and um, he's somebody who, on offense, he's an outstanding passer. He's got great athletic, great athleticism, uh, great court vision. So he's really, really, really good at getting downhill, putting pressure on defenses, getting those paint touches as they're making passes. He's got great body control. Um, for a guy his size, it's really important for him to be able to absorb contact when he's going up to the basket. He does that extremely well. Um, it's actually, it's actually crazy to see some somebody who, with his frame. Um, and just be able to take these these hits in the air from seven footers and still be balanced and still get a good you know a good shot off and get those and ones and whatnot. Um, but he he plays you know he can play above the rim despite his size. Um, you know Jamari he's he's a workhorse too. I can't say enough good things about him as well. Um, we have some young guys as well, some freshmen and sophomores um, that you want to be on the lookout for who will um, could possibly you know be top one hundred guys nationally. As as they you know as they grow older is Jaquel Powell, he's a really skilled offensive player, shooter, shot creator. Um, we've got Zion Walker, another really skilled guy. He's got a very deep bag. Um, he's got a lot of really, really mature moves in in his in his arsenal. Um, but he's a guy. He's another um, Jaquel Powell and Zion Walker, are both sophomores right now. Um, both guys who are going to be top ten in North Carolina for sure. And like I said, could be top one hundred nationally. Uh, as they grow. And then we have Kobe George, who's actually a freshman class of 2024. He is, he's one of our core players. He's very, very, very valuable. He's going to be a two way monster. Um, going to be senior. I would be very shocked if he's not a, a top 75 player as, as he grew nationally, as he gets, you know, to his junior or senior year, but we stuck him, um, you know, we, he's six, four right now. We've sticking him on seven footers in games because he's just that kind of pest defensively. He's very smart. He's very strong. He knows how to get into you. Really good hands. Um, so he's somebody that we've put on seven footers, six, ten guys before, because we know he's going to get in their heads. He's going to, um, you know, really, really, really mess with them. And um, offensively, you know, he's definitely, um, offensively, he's really been coming along. He's a really good slasher right now. He takes it really strong to the hoop, fights for it on the boards. You know, uh, if he misses a layup on a drive, he's, immediately bouncing back up to grab that board and secure it. Um, so the, the shot will, will come along the shot. He's been showing a little bit of improvement. Um, he can certainly make the, the open threes, uh, but the shot is definitely the next step for him. And I think as he continues to develop a shot, 
he's going to be a name that nationally, I think, I think a lot of people will know. Awesome. Uh, the point guard you described sound, uh, Jamari, Jamari Thomas. Yeah. Jamari Thomas sounds like he is going to ruin somebody's March madness. In a he few. is. It won't be mine because I'm going to be on the lookout for him. <laughs> going to look at the matchup and be like, nah, Gabe put me on son. Yeah. I'm taking them to upset yes. and it won't be my bracket. He busts. Yep. yep. Jamari Thomas is going to kill the hopes of some team that is relying on a, on a five-star <laughs> freshman uh, in a couple years, and he's going to uh, just suffocate them, and he's going to make life hell for them. He is, I mean, he is a, a joy to watch because, like I said, he is an absolute, like, th- that that prototypical dog that you think of is Jamari Thomas, but he's actually got the skill to boot. He's not just athleticism. He's not just hype. He's got legitimate skill. He, his shot has really, really, really come along. Um, he where it's the point where he is a very legitimate shooter at this point, off the dribble and off the catch. Um he is going to be someone that you're you're going to see the, the offers come up, uh, and you'll you'll definitely see me retweet it and, and you know hype my guy up. But um, he's gonna yeah he's he's gonna be he's gonna be playing at a, at a good school next year, and he's going to um, yeah he's gonna he's gonna make life hell for some guys at the college level. All right, guys, this has been the Shaw's Law podcast. Uh, Spurs slash a little draft talk. Yes, sir. With uh, my guy Gabe, aka All Day Sports Talk. I'd like to thank him for coming on. Can you plug your socials one more time, bro? Absolutely. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at All Day Sport Talk, just like it sounds. Um, you know, like I said, I'd be happy to interact, talk draft, talk basketball in general with anybody. Rob, I appreciate you bringing me on. I feel like this is a long time coming at this point. Uh, so I definitely appreciate you bringing me on. It's always good to talk. Um, and I'm definitely looking forward to having more conversations with you going forward about college season and whatnot. Um, definitely. I think I'm probably going to – honestly, once the season, the college season really gets rolling, I think I might have you on and we'll just chop, uh, talk college basketball shop. I'm always down, man. Just let me know. All right. Um, guys, thank you for listening. Please leave a review. I'm going to keep saying this at the end of every episode. Wherever you get your podcast, if you leave a review – I will read that bitch on air, I promise. So I'm Rob Shaw, a.k.a. The Pod God. Once again, thank you to our guest, Gabe, a.k.a. All Day Sports Talk. Um, Talk to you guys soon.